Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Jeune Mama podcast, where we talk about all things pregnancy, postpartum, motherhood, tips and tricks, and more from a Senegalese-American perspective. I'm your host, Aisa Tugise, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the third trimester. If you listened to my episode last week, you might have heard me say that the third trimester is hell. And I meant it when I said it. So let me tell you guys a little bit about the third trimester in terms of what happens to your baby's growth, what happens to you in terms of symptoms. And as usual, we will end with cultural considerations that you should keep in mind. Now, before we do all of that, we can't go on without a word from our sponsor. Let's hear it. Now, our sponsor kept it short this week, but I can't promise that the third trimester will do the same for you. It's a long one. It's, for many people, the longest feeling trimester, even though it's still 13 weeks, the same as the other trimesters, but it just feels like forever and ever. Every day feels like a week and every week feels like a month. Trust me. So let's get into what happens to your baby during the third trimester in terms of growth. So I'll be using the What to Expect app as I have in previous episodes to talk about what happens to your baby during the third trimester. What to Expect tells us that your baby will grow from about two and a half pounds and 16 inches long in week 28 of pregnancy to between six and nine pounds and between 19 to 22 inches long in week 40. So a lot of growth happens in the third trimester and it may even lead to growth spurts Uh, During this trimester where you might feel some serious kicks and pokes in your stomach. Like it goes from being like cute flutters to serious kicks. And I mean kicks. These babies are strong. Mashallah. And so I'm going to go through a couple of the highlights in the third trimester of pregnancy. Uh, We'll start with bones. So as the cartilage forms to bone in month seven and eight, your baby will be getting calcium from you. So it's going to be really important for you to eat foods that are rich in calcium to support that bone development. Next, we have hair, skin, and nails. So what to expect tells us that by week 32 of pregnancy, the baby's formerly see-through skin will become opaque. By week 36, the fat will continue to accumulate as your baby sheds what's called vernix. So this is the waxy substance that forms to protect the baby from the amniotic fluid. And lanugo, the warm, hairy coat that babies have. So if some babies, you might see if they're born earlier than 40 weeks, that they have a little bit of that vernix left or a little bit of that lanugo, which is the warm, hairy coat that they have over their skin. Next up, we have the digestive system. In the final weeks of pregnancy, meconium, or the baby's first poop, will consist mostly of blood cells, vernix, and lanugo, and this will start to build up in the baby's intestines. For people who go over their due date, sometimes the baby may take the first poop inside the belly. But for the most part, if you give birth to your baby um, at a certain time, so let's say between the 38 weeks and the 40 weeks, when your baby comes out, that first poop that they have will be the meconium. And it's like this thick, black, waxy poop. 
Next up, we have the five senses. So your baby's receptors are fully developed by around week 29 or week 30. By week 31 of pregnancy, your baby will get signals from all senses. So they'll be able to perceive light and dark. They can taste what you eat and they can listen to the sound of your voice. And finally, in the brain, your baby's brain will grow faster than ever, test driving some nifty skills. This is uh, according to what to expect including blinking, dreaming, and regulating body temperature. So a lot happens in the third trimester developmentally for your baby, and that can lead to a lot of symptoms for you as the carrier. So we'll get into some of those symptoms now. The first one is our favorite nausea. If you remember back in the first trimester episode, we talked about how that's one of the early indicators of pregnancy. So that morning sickness that usually will go away in the second trimester, giving you some relief, it might creep its ugly head back up in the third trimester. So if you have morning sickness, one of the tips that I gave that I uh, recommend you ask your doctor was Unisom, the sleeping pill to help with morning sickness. It is safe to take in a third trimester. That's what my doctor told me. And that's, that can be something that gives you relief in the third trimester if you start having nausea again. Another symptom that you may have is headaches. So this can be due to a lot of things, but primarily your sensitivity to smell going back up, lack of sleep, stress, overheating, and so many other factors that can trigger a headache or a migraine during your third trimester. So you really have to take care of yourself all throughout pregnancy, but especially towards this end here where you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it can feel like it's so far away. You just have to hang in there, take care of yourself and get plenty of rest. You might also experience a symptom called lightning crotch. So what to expect says that no one's really sure what causes lightning crotch, but it's a sudden sharp shock to your crotch area. And one of the theories is that it's the baby pressing on a nerve that runs to the cervix. So literally what this feels like is you might be walking, then all of a sudden you get this sharp jab in your crotch that causes you to maybe lean over or just really take a step back. Um, but it can go away if you change positions, if you kind of just take it easy, um, walk it off, or if you're laying down, stand up, if you're standing, sit, sit down. Just basically changing positions should make this go away, but it is um, a symptom that comes up in the latter part of your pregnancy in the third trimester. You might experience another symptom called Braxton Hicks contractions. So this is your body's way of preparing for labor. You'll start to feel these irregular practice contractions, and these will persist most likely until real labor starts, which those contractions are different than Braxton Hicks contractions, but that might be a symptom that you experience in the third trimester. Leg cramps are another symptom that you might experience in the third trimester. There's just so many hormones in your body. You're tired. Of course, the weight is sitting on your stomach and going down to your legs, and so you might develop leg cramps. Again, this is just one of those discomforts of the third trimester that Hopefully, if you move positions, that it goes away, but it is a pesky symptom that persists through the end of pregnancy for many women, I should say. Not everybody experiences these symptoms, but for many women, they will experience leg cramps. Next up, we have leaky breasts. 
So I'm not going through all the symptoms that What to Expect tells me. I'm just picking out some of the ones that I think would be of interest to listeners. But if you go on the app, you can see a full list of all the symptoms on What to Expect. If you do research, you'll get even more probably. Um, so we'll talk about the leaky breast now. So this is your body's way of warming up to feed your baby. Around week 36 of pregnancy, you will start to develop milk. It may not um, come out right away um, for some people, but for some people, they will have leaky breasts. So that milk will start to drip. And so you can get uh, nursing pads to help with this. But this is really just a, one of those exciting symptoms that tells you your baby is almost done baking and you should meet your little one shortly. And then finally, weight gain. This is because your baby is growing. If you remember in the, earlier in the episode, we talked about gaining from two and a half pounds to six to nine pounds. So a lot of weight gain happens. So your body will also gain weight to accommodate for that. Um, so don't be surprised if you gain around eight to 10 pounds this trimester. It's also normal to lose a few pounds at the end of your ninth month um, because your baby should be done growing and developing by that point. Full term for many is considered 37 or 38 weeks. And so usually not much growth will happen after the 37, 38 week mark, um, more so just the finishing of certain um, developmental milestones. But those are the symptoms that I wanted to highlight in the third trimester. Um, overall, it sounds good. Well, maybe not good, but it sounds less... Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's not as bad when you hear it on paper, when you hear it on a podcast. But when you're going through it, it literally feels like just the longest time of your entire life. You have a mix of emotions between being excited to meet your baby, but being over pregnancy. Most people by the third trimester are over it. It's no longer that cute feeling of having a belly and taking pictures and glowing. By this time, you are tired. You have had enough of pregnancy you're contemplating if you'll ever be pregnant again like there's just so much that happens in the third trimester in terms of feelings and emotions but it is an exciting time because it's the light at the end of the tunnel but you get to meet your baby and so now I'm going to shift gears a little bit into the cultural considerations with the first point being that by this point you probably already have an idea of the gente or the naming ceremony and, you know, you have to think about how big you want it, who you want to invite. Now, here, the reason why I wanted to bring it up as a cultural consideration is because we don't announce pregnancy like the way that other cultures do or some other cultures, I should say, not all. But some other cultures are very upfront about it, very open about it. Everybody knows you're pregnant. Everybody knows your due date, et cetera, et cetera. For us, it's very private, very intimate. And so you, people may not even know that you are pregnant but you would like to invite them to your ngente. And so I'm bringing it up because in thinking about who to invite, you have to think about travel considerations. Usually it's a week notice because you give birth one day and then when that day comes back, so seven days later is when you have the naming ceremony. But if you have people who have to travel to make it and they can't make it, those are just things to think about in terms of how to announce it, when to announce it, and who to announce it to. You also have to think about what you're going to name the baby. So from a cultural standpoint, um, there's going to be an episode, I think, on the Ngente because there's just so many rituals and traditions that are really sweet and wholesome around it. But touching a little bit on it for this episode, it's something that you want to keep in mind throughout pregnancy because, for example, 
in terms of what to name the baby. Uh, some people opt for naming it after Njeke, which is usually like a pre-designated person with, that gets assigned to you. That's the best way I can explain it for now. We'll get into it more in the Ngente episode, but someone who's basically pre-designated uh, to be the name of your baby girl. And it's usually just the girls that you have Njeke for. So if you have a baby girl, there's somebody in your family, usually on your husband's side, that they say, okay, that's who your baby should be named after. It doesn't, when I explain it, it won't sound as crazy because you're probably thinking like, what? Why would somebody tell you what to name your baby? But it's a cultural practice that we have to uh, strengthen familial bonds. And so this is a consideration because for many of us, we have that decision to make of, do I want to name my baby, baby girl? I'm going to use that example because it's usually for the girls. But do I want to name my baby girl after Njike or do I want to pick my own name? What are the ramifications of that? Do I need to explain myself? Do I just say F it and do what I want to do? So there's a lot of things that need to happen around the Ngente, and that's why I wanted that to be the first point around the cultural considerations because it's a whole entity on its own. And it happens after the baby's born, but a lot of the things that go into it need to happen before the baby arrives. Anyways, the next one is packing a hospital bag. This is controversial for some because there's the cultural consideration or cultural um, understanding or cultural desire to wait until the baby arrives to do anything. But in the spirit of preparation, um, and I think for me, the way I took it was just keeping it very private and keeping it very intimate, but definitely packing a hospital bag. You never know when the time will come. Now, luckily for me, I ended up getting induced. Maybe not luckily, but anyways, I ended up getting induced. So I knew when I had to go to the hospital. Um, so my hospital bag was packed and ready to go. But if you're not in that situation where you know when you're going to deliver or when you have to report to the hospital, then having a hospital bag might not be a bad idea just to make sure you have everything you need while you're in the hospital. Now, of course, you could go to the hospital spontaneously and then someone could bring you the things that you need but I think that there's a way to honor um, pregnancy honor the privacy of it but also trust God enough to say okay I'm gonna pack this hospital bag because that's what I need to do and hopefully things go well and I end up using all these things and my baby arrives safe and sound because if we can plan for Engente then I think we should be able to pack a hospital bag that's just my personal opinion how about you what do you think Another cultural consideration that I wanted to bring up was who will be in the delivery room with you? So I know back home in Senegal, like my mom always was like, well, you know, your husband drops you off or you're the one as the woman who goes into the delivery room and you deliver and then people can come in and see you. But here in the U.S. where I am, it was very different. Like I said, I got induced and I was able to have my husband in there, my mom, my sister, my brothers. Now, not everybody could be there at the same time because of COVID restrictions, but people were able to come in and out. And that really made for a great experience for me to see people that were familiar to me, people who I love, people who were there to cheer me on and support me, because labor can be a very long and extensive experience. And so if you remember back to, I believe it was the first trimester when I was given the cultural considerations, I mentioned the importance of partnership and your husband really being there side by side with you through this journey. It matters 
that much more in the delivery room when you're going to be scared, especially if you're a first time mom who's never been through this. But it's nice to have someone in there who can hold your hand, who can push on your back, who can give you massages, move this around, pick that up, put that down. Like there's just so much that happens for a long period of time if you're in delivery for or if you're in labor for a long time. And so having a good support system in the delivery room with you is something to keep in mind, even though culturally we may, you know, have the men stop at the door when it comes to labor and delivery. But consider it. Consider having your husband. Consider maybe having your brother in there if you don't have that option of having a husband. Maybe until it's time to push. Now when it was time to push, everybody had to go except my husband. But uh, just in 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 the spirit of keeping an open mind and thinking about the ultimate goal of having a healthy baby and healthy mom. We always talk about healthy baby, but healthy mom as well. It can do a lot for your mental health to have people there who are cheering you on and really pushing you through to the finish line. All right, so those were the cultural considerations that I had today. Um, I took brief notes, but I felt like I was rambling a little bit because this third trimester, man, there's no way to cover all of it in one episode. There's a lot, lot more that goes into it. I'm pretty sure the cultural considerations, maybe as you listen to this episode, you will have your own ideas. I would love for you to reach out via Instagram. Let me know what you think in terms of not just the third trimester, but pregnancy overall. What are some considerations that you think I should have touched on or some that I should keep in mind for future episodes? Like pregnancy is one of those things as I close these trimester chapters. um, It's one of those things where when you're going through it, especially for the first time, there are so many questions that you have and then so many questions that you don't know you should have. So from what to ask your doctor, what to talk to your doctor about during your visits, how to advocate for yourself. There'll be an episode on advocacy because the doctors, they know what they're doing. They've gone through the training. And then there's the additional factor of, you know, your body, you know what you want, you know what you don't want. So how do you balance, you know, taking the professional opinion and the professional expertise um, in throughout your journey while maintaining some level of advocacy for yourself, because it is important to feel like you're just as empowered and just as engaged in the process as they are. It's a team effort. So there's that. There's also like, you know, what do I do once the baby arrives? How am I going to manage that with work and balance? And there's just so much. And that's actually why um, this episode is coming out a week later than it should have, because last week I... I'm back at work. Maternity leave is over. And so I'm finding that balance of how to have a baby at home, but also get my work done, get this podcast out, extracurriculars, all these things. And that's why this podcast exists. It's for me and other moms out there like me and other want to be moms and other non moms, anybody who feels like this is a topic of interest for you to just take a beat step back, think about it and and talk about it at the same time. Like, I feel like I've learned so much from moms out there who reach out to me or I reach out to them and just say, hey, what's, what is this that you have? How, how does that work? And try to incorporate that into my life or, or, you know, if I have a breastfeeding question, being able to ask a friend who's gone through it before, that's all super, super helpful. And so I hope that with this podcast, with this episode, with past episodes, with future episodes, that you guys feel like that 
mission of sharing information and building a community around this topic is slowly but surely being accomplished. And with that, I want to thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at aida.guisse underscore. That's at ida.guisse underscore underscore. Check me out on Instagram. Write me a message. Let me know what you think. Provide feedback. I would love if there's anything that you felt like could have been better. Let me know. I'm always looking to make this better and bigger and better. And so with that, I'll end the episode. I'm going to stop rambling, but I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you guys next week.